Welcome back to the Beyond the Pond podcast. I'm Yosef and I'm joined by Terry and Arif as usual, but this episode we're joined by Martin Iwoma, creative director, writer and founder of Sludge Magazine. With the start of the Qatar World Cup, we thought it would be a good time to discuss politics in football as that's been taking more of the coverage than the football itself. Now, Martin, you've written about how you're going to boycott the World Cup with you deciding not to watch it or work on it. Now, could you expand on why you made that decision? Yeah, certainly. So for me, I think over the past couple of years, there's been a lot more conversation around ethical consumption. Um, if we kind of think about the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of the discourse surrounding that was about where we send our money to, what kind of products we feel comfortable consuming. And on one level, it's kind of sad that that is where the conversation went because it shows that so much of our agency is centred around consumerism. And you can argue it's an example of how the only kind of means we have to express ourselves is free capital. At the same time, that is very much where we are. So thinking about football as a product, the way this World Cup as a product has been put together isn't really something I feel comfortable consuming in the same way that, you know... I might not feel comfortable buying fast fashion items because of the workers' conditions of the people who make that jacket or T-shirt or whatever. I kind of feel that the World Cup as a product is a similar thing. So that was my personal reasoning. I guess with me personally, um, there's a couple of different viewpoints. While I agree with everything that Martin said, and I think um, that is the idealistic approach, and I think also it's the right approach. Me personally, I think, I sometimes do like to listen listening to the dissent in um, opinions because I think if we alienate one side completely, I don't think that's ever gonna help change. And while there is a bunch of people that are immoral and just fueled by hate, and I think what they're doing is completely wrong and completely money driven, I, I do believe, as a practicing devout Muslim myself, some of the backlash to this tournament is not just steeped in um, a disdain to Qatar but also I guess it's masking certain people's I guess hidden agenda which I feel is like attacking a religion and it's just Islamophobia so I I understand naturally I do have my own biases and uh, we try and I guess remove that as much as possible but I'm well aware that I completely disagree with what Qatar's doing. I don't think they should have got it 10 years ago. I think that's really and truly where FIFA should have stepped in. It should never be up to like the average person to make a decision as Martin has done. He just wants to enjoy his football, but he can't because of all the other issues off the pitch. So, yeah, it should have been dealt with 10 years ago, but unfortunately it's not. But And now we're in this, I guess, this media melee of certain people who are not having different views on the tournament. Some right, some wrong. It's just... For the average person, it's good. it's puts them in a really difficult position. So yeah, I'm a bit conflicted in that sense. Um, I don't know if that really gave a opinion on the where I stand, but I guess just that's just me thinking out loud where I'm at right now. I don't really think I had like a great answer for it. I'll be honest, my answer for why I'm not boycotting is simply, you know, as an American, it's the first time in the World Cup in a while, and I want to watch the World Cup to watch America play. Um, I think also a lot of times it's it's it gets tricky sometimes where I know like where to draw the line like I want to boycott this because it's oh do I want to boycott 
the World Cup in Qatar, but then I watch the Premier League. I watch a Newcastle game. I'll watch a Manchester City game. I'll watch a PSG game. And it's kind of like, well, if I'm going to boycott these, what goes wrong in Qatar and, you know, these countries that make money doing such poor things and all these human rights violations and these homophobic views, then how do I support a league that has owners from these places? So sometimes it just gets tricky. I don't really know where to draw the line. But again, I just... Honestly, my answer is just a selfish answer of I just I want to watch the USA play in the World Cup. Um, I don't know how much of it I'll watch, but it's yeah, again, it's kind of simple. And I don't know if it's like the most, you know, great hill to stand on or anything like that. But that's that's my answer. Something that the three of you have said, which I find interesting, is um, that you don't feel as though wanting to watch the World Cup is necessarily the right stance. I want to be absolutely clear that from my perspective, <clears throat> people who want to watch the World Cup because they like football aren't immoral people, in my opinion. You know, me wanting to boycott something or not wanting to consume a product isn't necessarily an indictment of other people who want to. I don't think watching the World Cup is tantamount to supporting Islamophobia or workers' abuses or anything like that. I think, and as you say, the kind of Premier League comparison with Newcastle... PSG, um, Man City as a telling one, if you try and apply moral consistency to anything, no one would be able to do anything under capitalism, really. So for me, it's not a case of um, a, a certain moral standard that everyone has to adhere to. It's just that actually watching it would make me uncomfortable and I wouldn't enjoy it. I guess there is that sort of relationship between, I think, sort of, personal comfort and you know i guess the individual's uh feelings about making a stand and you know their own feeling about morality and then i guess the realization of how much an individual can actually do because i mean there is two things i i agree with uh arif with the sense of realistically it, it shouldn't have ever got to this point you know we you know this this uh world cup is almost you can we can establish that it was, it was corruption was involved in awarding the vote something that i have to specify with i can imagine almost every single world cup that has ever existed has had allegations of corruption but it's something which even that we have to think about why that is and we also have to think about you know obviously the horrible abuses because and i like to think on this podcast you know people say oh why are we only talking about it now well i'd like to hope you know that that won't be the case a year on i hope that this isn't the only thing we talk about i hope that this is instead of the exception this is the beginning of people you know like martin said thinking more about their consumption and where exactly uh you know where exactly they want to give their support or their relationship to something, you know, in terms of indirect support or what what does Qatar want with this World Cup? And because I think all of these sort of go hand in hand, you know, we talk about with PSG and I sort of think the, the sort of what Qatar wants in this World Cup is they want everyone to say, um, you know, how good this World Cup is and they hope that, they hope that this conversation died away by the football. They hope that, you know, because I think I I thought about this from the draw. Now, as soon as I saw the draw and I saw the groups, I thought, 
this is probably going to be a good World Cup in terms of football, in terms of what goes on to the pitch. And obviously they want that to kind of overshadow what happens off the pitch. I think the, an ideal thing for Qatar is with, due to the fact that they, they pretty much bought PSG a year after they got given the bid to host the World Cup. I think the ideal thing is that France wins the World Cup Mbappe wins play of the tournament. He brings the World Cup back to the uh, Parc de France. He's, he's, he walks out with the trophy. They're all celebrating. The fans cheer him. And then he goes up to the the owner, the Qatari owner of PSG, hugs him and says, thank you for your help in bringing this World Cup to France. And, and like for them, that's like the almost like the pinnacle of like this, uh, that soft power, that soft legitimacy that they get from, from football. And something that they've sort of been tried in other sports as well. With in terms of athletics, they recently hosted the World Athletics World Championships, and they've been trying to get uh, improve their success with winning more gold medals in both the Olympics and so this is a sort of a wider process. And I guess then once you think about that, is about what what can we do about it? I think it's a good place to to deal with comfort, but um, I guess the next step is beyond the individual uh, responsibility you know we can talk a lot about is this uh, like what should the players do what should clubs do what should FAs do because I know you know I think so we're recording this on the Monday after the England game where you know something that if we talk if we forget about the football something which you know is kind of disappointing was the, the stand they were going to make against LGBT rights I mean, I mean, they have to support look, the stand they're going to make uh, against Qatar's, uh, you know, abuses towards LGBT rights by wearing the armband. And then as soon as there was the threat of a yellow card, they decided against it. And I want to sort of lead to this to you, Martin, first about, I mean, there's obviously a question of how much players should do. But do you think it's in particular stuff like that? Do you find that just... Do you find that disappointing or do you feel like they should have never had that responsibility in the first place? Sort of neither. I don't think were they to actually even wear the armbands, it would make any difference, really. It's, um, for me, the reason I'm boycotting it is because I very much have the opinion that if you don't agree with something, just don't be part of it. So from when you choose to go and play at the World Cup, I think from then you should actually just adhere to whatever rules or customs are part of the World Cup. That's not to say I agree at all with, you know, the negative attitudes towards sexual minorities, but I don't like this notion of having it both ways, whereby you'll go and wear armbands or make social media gestures or whatever. Ultimately, you know, you've you've chosen to go there and play. I, I think... You know, if anything, players should just own the choice they've made and just focus on football if that's what they want to do. Or if you're against it, don't go. Um, I don't massively see the point of wearing an armband or not wearing an armband or what material consequence that will lead to in terms of the experience of sexual minorities anyway. Sort of leads into the, I guess, the general question. And I'm going to, you know, hit this back at you, Martin, but Afterwards, I want you guys, Arif and Terry, to sort of give your answers as well about, you know, you're saying if you don't want to be part of it, they they shouldn't, you know, I mean, if you don't agree, you shouldn't be part of it. I guess at least the wider questions of politics and football. Do you think 
you know, there's uh, any responsibility of football to, you know, make, you know, to campaign for for wider change in this sense? Or whether do you think engaging in it, with it at all, if things you disagree with is almost like an implicit endorsement of it? Like, let's say they're trying to protest Qatar, whereas just being, them being there, like, is almost like, is saying that they're not willing to protest it enough to boycott it. In my opinion, yes. But again, I understand that people, people's understandings of protests and boycotts are different. For me personally, I think disagreeing with something, but not quite enough to not take the money and participate, to me, doesn't make sense. I was going to say about the armband thing. I think the thing that was interesting about it is to come out and make statements, basically, like, oh, we're still going to wear the armband. We'll pay the fine. That's like, we're fine with it. And then once it switches to, okay, it's not a fine, it's a yellow card. Then it's like, oh, we're not going to wear the armband anymore. It's just like, okay, you didn't really care that much if a yellow card or whatever the penalty was, was like, oh, okay, now we're, we don't want to support gay rights that much anymore. We can't get a yellow card for it. It's just kind of like, so then were the intentions pure anyway? Or were you just trying to do this? So it's just like, okay, we'll just appease the fans. You don't clearly care about the issue that much if a yellow card or whatever the penalty was, was enough to make you completely say, okay, we're not going to stand up for this anymore. And that's why I think things get kind of tricky. And that's also why I feel like a lot of the things that these clubs do and these countries do anyway, it's not genuine. It's just, let's just do this to appease the fans and to make people kind of lay off us in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree what um, everyone has said. And I'd like to touch on something that Yosef mentioned earlier about opening up a conversation a wider conversation about politics in football and to be fair politics in sport generally is I think it's very difficult for I guess individuals to make stands and um, yeah a lot of uh, mainstream media I guess outlets as well because naturally sometimes it, it leans into virtue signaling and what are the exact intentions and you've got unfortunately people always taking sides and then it um, people will just I guess they they will tell the narrative that they see is the most popular, which is ultimately is not moral correct. Uh, the, the wider conversation about politics in general is, uh, yeah, I think it's just really tricky for these sort of situations uh, for boycotts to happen in that way, because I, I guess like, like we've mentioned, just not isolated to Qatar is I guess what also is a dissent in a feeling, and. I think Yosef may touch on this later. One of Martin's pieces he wrote, it was why football needs more consistency on human rights for verses. And I think that was a brilliant piece about just highlighting, I guess, inconsistencies in football, which can lead to... What do we exactly label as political in football? Because once we start using that label, it is very easy for people to take sides. It happened with the BLM movement when... um, at the time, a senior member of the British Parliament came out and said, "BLM uh, English fans have the right to boo it." When all the English players came out and said, "We don't support the movement. This is for Black people's rights." Yet still got booed. I don't know how that's controversial, political in any sense of the word. It's literally people saying there was a man that got his neck crushed and died because he was black and due to police brutality. So we're just so showing solidarity in society that we need equality. It's so straightforward and simple just saying it, but yet we use certain terms like politics 
just to make it more difficult, and then we uh, we may touch on this later as well. I'm getting a bit sc scatterbrained now. Just with Ukraine, I think what they did for Ukraine was great, but then you have to show consi consistency year on year out. We've had a club in either the Europa League or the Champions League that's pretty much part of a apartheid regime. There's I've seen no media backlash. It did just this season. A player on the opposing side they played in the Champions League got booed because he posted a post about anti being of anti-apartheid. So yeah, it's just crazy. I I kind of derailed from Qatar for a bit. I just opened the conversation up generally to politics. Um, and once again, I don't know if I've addressed the question directly, but yeah, that was my I guess impassioned point. I think for me personally. Politics and football are inextricably linked if you kind of understand what politics is. So I personally understand politics as the policy by which resources are allocated and rules are made. Because football is a multi-billion dollar industry, there are resources within football that have to be allocated, decisions have to be made, from as simple as how many teams from each country gets to be in the Champions League or how many you know, countries from each continent gets to play in an international tournament. These are decisions that will have financial ramifications for not only clubs, but even nation states. So the idea that, you know, decisions and policy can be made pertaining to sums of billions, um, completely separate to politics, for me, doesn't... That's just not how money works. It's impossible. Um, if we even go to the example of the BRM stuff within football... Even that, for me, is a political thing because George Floyd being murdered by a policeman is, you know, a political event because the police are an extension of government. They're literally the arm of the law. So, on the one hand, I understand why people want to watch football and not think about politics. I get that totally. And I think people should be allowed to. If you want to watch football and completely compartmentalise and not, you know, acknowledge the political context behind it, that's fine, but debates about whether or not football should be or is political don't make sense, in my opinion. For me, it's a case of football is political, obviously, if you just understand what politics is or what an economy is. Whether you now want to interact with that is your choice. I think, overall, our sort of take on this podcast is sort of sport is political so we advocate any attempt that sport attempts to engage in politics because my my sort of logic is you can't when people say you should keep football out of politics then you know i feel like you know you can only do that when politics keeps itself out of football in the in the sense of you know when france won the world cup i saw macron you know parading himself with the players because he realizes you know, it's a way to boost him. And when people talk about politics and football as well, I think they only use it to demonise it. There are, you know, there's obviously benefits to politics in football, whether it's, let's say, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela using a post-apartheid South Africa to host the Rugby World Cup and win the Rugby World Cup, or whether it's Germany hosting the 2006 World Cup to uh, bring... Uh, greater infrastructure to East Germany, which uh, was sort of split off during the Cold War and, you know, during the Berlin Wall. So there are um, good... I feel like my point of view is if if we sort of do nothing in terms of or we try and uh, keep 
sort of football out of engaging in these political questions, then I feel like we will be powerless to prevent politics manipulating football or sports. And in my mind, that's almost sort of my fear in terms of not on an individual basis, but on a on an organisational basis when sides boycott. Because let's say, let's take the example of, let's say if England, you know, this will never happen, but if England decided to boycott the the World Cup due to, you know, due to all the legitimate horrible things that have happened in Qatar, you know, if they're the only country that boycotts in the, in the World Cup, even though they're a very big country, even though that'll mean that the entire media here will be talking about it, that still means that every other, like you got all these other countries that will still be in, they'll probably get another um, another European country to replace England. I, I think that then leads to the question of how many of the English fans would not watch the World Cup if England weren't in it. I think there'll be a debate, but they'll still watch it. I still think there'll be broadcasting rights because of the demand about it. And it's almost as if, well, there's, there's a there's the question going on and debate going on. I still feel like just by Qatar having that stage, it's it's I feel like they're always going to um do something with it in the sense of you know there'll still be something when the final quote rolls around where you have you know the leader of of Qatar giving the World Cup trophy to you know one of the best players in the world, and you know. And I feel like that's in my head. I always feel like if there is a stage, we we should use it because I think if if we decide with you know the views that we want to promote, don't it always leads to me to think the side with the views we sort of disagree with will. So yeah, and and I'm and I'm, I'm aware that this is a complex issue because then even if you want to go to the World Cup and uh, promote a message it then leads to the fiasco with England because it's about how far you're willing to go for that message and I'm not saying this is a perfect idea but I think I still feel like in my mind clubs should make or the team should make a stand at the World Cup because it's still the biggest stage and I sort of look at you know we, we, we criticise England but I think uh, what let's say Iran did in the same game where they refused to sing the national anthem to, uh, you know, a lot of them to uh, great risk due to, they did that in uh, support of what's going on in the protests in Iran and, uh, uh, you know, the protests to topple the regime. And I feel like that's more powerful doing it on the world stage than in my mind, if they decided to boycott over protesting their regime but i'm aware that this is a complex issue i understand what you mean but i think it's maybe a bit of a false equivalency though in that iran if the iranian football team by protesting their government that's kind of different to protesting a tournament because not going to the world cup which is in qatar to protest the iranian government there's no real congruence there. There's no reason the Iranian government would care. Whereas if you're England and your problem is the Qatari regime, then not going to boycott that would make more sense. So for me, I think it comes down to or the difference between 
those two protesters. I think the Iran team actually care. I guess this is once again, I guess, a wider uh, conversation I like to open up. While we accept that politics, I guess, has to be in football and it's a it's a positive. W- I guess the issue arises when there's a lack of consistency. And if there is a lack of consistency, should it exist at all? Um, like I previously mentioned, the piece you wrote on um, the inconsistencies on human rights in um, in football. Could you just expand upon that? Because I think you touched on some um, really good points in that. Um, to be fair, it may not be fresh in the memory, but... No, I remember most of the main points. My main thing was that um, the kind of reasons people were backing the Ukrainian cause, ideas of sovereignty, ideas of anti-imperialism, are things that are more applicable, if we like, to Palestine, where his players have actually been reprimanded for expressing those same virtues. So my thing was, um, I don't know, my criticism was that I think people's willingness to accept politics in football is kind of contingent on whether or not those politics align with Western hegemony, which isn't really the same thing. Like being for or against political integration as a concept can't be contingent on whether it's politics you agree with. And I think sometimes in the West, a kind of moral sensibilities are used to actually entrench ideas of Western superiority more than, you know, the actual pursuit of human rights. Because again, as, as you touched on before, I do think a lot of the criticisms of Qatar are just rife with Islamophobia, even on Sjöjmag. There's been a couple of posts I've wrote and at no point have I actually mentioned Islam at all. The things I've continuously noted are how many migrant workers have died, um, the treatment of sexual minorities and the corruption in the selection process of Qatar. And there'll be swathes of comments, you know, trying to use what I've said as a catalyst to go on a tirade about um, the backwards nature of Islam, which is not the point I was making at all and is not relevant. So you're right, it's when I'm sort of calling for more consistency, I think it's just for people not to be disingenuous. I think if you have a genuine kind of commitment to using sport as a vehicle for human rights, um, equality, egalitarianism, these things, then fantastic. But I think using it to just perpetuate Islamophobic stereotypes and using those ideals as a guise is very cynical. Islamophobia has had this awkward relationship with much of the criticism because Qatar have done a lot of things very wrong and no one can deny that. But, you know, it's interesting the things that kind of has got traction in terms of, you know, a lot of people, you know, the whole alcohol issue. Now, I'm aware that there were wider concerns. I think the main concern is the fact that how this has been a part of them promising things that made them seem more... um, open that you know for example you know and that they've sort of turned their back on but there was also a lot of you know coverage that was just used to just be like you know oh how can football fans this is not the way of football fans and like that and I think that also plays into the sort of the narrative of once the World Cup starts no matter what happens beforehand let's say in terms of Russia I feel like a lot of things that you know, people like to do at football tournaments is when you saw the scenes of, you know, you have the fans there, you do, you know, journalists will do Vox Pops where, you know, they what they call it like reporting on the ground, but they interview a few fans. And in Russia, you had a bunch of drunk fans that would say, it's great, the alcohol's cheap. We, we're just all, we're all very happy all the time. 
in a way that you obviously can't get with Qatar. And, you know, if you, there are, there's, you know, I think it, one of, it has to be said that a lot of the organization in this World Cup has been horrible in terms of, you know, the, the rumors about people having to walk an hour to, to buy water and, you know, issues with ticketing and fans getting into the stadium. But it almost feels like the narrative was, you see people, you know, the post, the pictures of people trying to smuggle in alcohol and that stuff. So it is something we have to be careful of in terms of whether our criticism becomes Islamophobia and also whether our criticism is because this is a country that isn't a big player in football and isn't necessarily a player we're comfortable in politics and about what, you know, what both of you have said about, you know, whether we only criticise things that, you know, suit a certain narrative and suit, I, you know, idea of the, you know, a sort of a Western narrative and what we think of these, of, of what we think of certain countries and... I guess it's the question of how do we navigate that as people working in the working in the media and working in that industry, and also how do we navigate that as uh, fans watching TV? So I'm still going to ask that as an open question to all of you. Feel free, any of you, to sort of jump in first. But how, in terms of the coverage and sort of when you're looking at the coverage, do you sort of guard against sort of being uh you know wanting like falling into nar- certain narratives well i think again a lot of it is just it's like um people are using the whole um, a lot of this is basically again is the form islamophobia and i feel like people are you know just kind of using this as a reason to protest as an american in 2026 the world cup is going over there Texas NRG Stadium in Houston has been confirmed as one of the stadiums. Texas is currently has crazy abortion laws. There's a lot of racist issues in Texas. There's a lot of police brutality issues in Texas. So are people is all of this going to happen for the 2026 World Cup because I doubt it. I think people are going to use it as an excuse to go to Texas, to go to America, go to Canada, go to Mexico, have a good time and it's not going to be all these people, "Oh, I can't watch and support the 2026 World Cup." And that's, you know, to people that do want to, you know, boycott it, all like all credit to you. But it's just, again, like, where do you draw the line? It's also, I also feel like, though, you don't have to, if you're like an activist, not even activist, someone who boycotts, you can boycott for different reasons. You don't have to say you might you might have a different stance on the migrant workers dying than you do about abortion policies. But it's just in general, the whole thing of it, the whole it not being on BBC, the ceremony not coming on BBC, and then them saying it's because of a WSL game, even though there's an hour in between. It's just, and then, and then the whole, the whole program they're showing, they're criticizing Qatar. I doubt that the BBC in 2026 is going to have an entire program for an hour criticizing Texas and criticizing these different American laws, because it's 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 not brown people, it's it's America, and this is Great Britain. And it's hand in hand, and it's it's just not as easy of a target. And there's too much money to make. Like right now, I feel like there's money to make by saying, "Oh, we're against Qatar, but we have all our staff over here, and we're going to show you the games, and we're going to do all this." But when it's in America, it's it's just not going to be the same thing, in my opinion. Generally, I just sometimes think with narratives, um, if we see one 
one a certain way, it kind of brushes other issues under. So this is probably a bad metric to go by, but the conversations on Twitter, you see, it is more so, I guess, about the armbands and the alcohol when there is there was a huge and there still is a huge uh, issue about migrant uh, workers and deaths of migrant workers and migrant workers being exploited. There may be some people who say that, oh, you're supporting Qatar, which I'm not because you're Muslim and you're brown. Firstly, I'm South Asian and Bengali. I'm... I am part of, I am part of a group of people that are frowned upon by Qatari and the Gulf Middle East. If we are generalizing, usually people of my color that go there are uh, exploited. They are trafficked there. They they worked. The, the, all those st- stadiums that were built that were built so quickly. It's off the deaths of probably thousands of unreported deaths that have just been forgotten in all of this noise. And I think those. Their story, that issue shouldn't be lost in all of this, I guess, um, mess. So, yeah, I agree with what everything Terry said, but I, just, I think if you are going to take, uh, if in the media is going to take a stance of being anti-Qatar, uh, which I agree with, you have to give, you have to point out all of the inconsistencies as opposed to allowing such nonsense, I believe is nonsense about alcohol not being allowed in stadiums when usually in most tournaments that's just the case regularly. There's been past tournaments and many tournaments where you can't drink there. And it's just funny to me and I feel like it's part of the whole people just wanting something to be mad at, people wanting something to point to and say, oh, aha, is people being mad that there's no alcohol served. But I'm in East London watching the world why do i care if you can't drink at the world cup these people are in all different parts of england and all different parts of europe in north and south america complaining that oh you can't drink at the world cup and it's you just want something to complain about it's just again an easy target why it doesn't affect you at all there's been other tournaments you can't drink because they don't want a bunch of drunk people there and it's just an easy way to poke i think at islam and muslim beliefs and Another thing for people to say, oh, look, Qatar is doing this wrong. Yeah, I mean, and furthermore, in the UK, when you go to a football stadium, granted you can get a drink at half-time or before, but you cannot drink in the stands. This idea that this will be the first time where you can't, like, you know, knack a pint after a free kick, for one, it's, it's just inaccurate. And as well, I question why no one's embarrassed that they can't get through an event without getting drunk. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a, a condescending thing to say as someone like who doesn't drink, but I just wonder if we liked football that much and you were at a World Cup, would not being able to get wasted genuinely ruin it for you? Because if so, I think you have bigger issues than Qatar just in your life. How much do you really want to watch football, and how much do you really love the sport? If you have to be drunk to enjoy, it? I think for me, just following up from the questions about how you remain consistent in media and try and you know, make sure we're not falling into Islamophobic tropes. I think if just as people we have a clear, I don't know, if we have clear rights and wrongs of things we think are right and wrong in life, then whenever these things happen, we'll have the same opinion. So if the issues with Qatar are, you know, homophobia or the treatment of women and migrant workers' rights, fine. But as we've said, in the United States... The United States has a prison industrial complex, so slavery is still legal there. That's a flagrant disavow with workers' rights. 
There was like a mass shooting at a gay bar this weekend in the United States. You have Florida legislators making super draconian legislation against transgender children. So again, same thing. So my thing is, you know, if there's a list of things you think are wrong, then whenever they happen, it's wrong. And none of these, you know, rights and wrongs really pertain to Islam because they're not, you know, none of these things only happen in Islamic society. So that, for me, would be how you kind of differentiate between the two things. This man just don't miss. Just don't miss. No, no, he does not, man. I agree. You have to be consistent on these things, you know. And, you know, people talk about, you know, Qatari ownership and managing the Qataris hosting the World Cup. And people say, why don't you have a problem with Qataris hosting football? Then, you know, you've got to think about, well, why isn't there a problem with Qataris hosting football? I mean, I'm personally someone that, in an ideal world, I don't want billionaires owning football clubs. You know, a lot of them have community roots. I, I sort of like what they have in Germany, where it's fan-owned. And in an ideal world, I'd want that in the UK. But I think this is one of the things I, I, I don't like, because obviously we're, we're looking at, you know, sort of the, the how they're looking at from a Western uh, narrative and the hypocrisy from it. And we're sort of criticising the hypocrisy in a way to say we should be criticising both of these things equally. And what I, what I don't want and what I fear is when I hear people like, you know, the FIFA president Giovanni Infantino and certain journalists talk about hypocrisy is they talk about it in a way where they want people to criticise nothing. And they want you to do that because the way it is benefits them. And I want, for the, for the average person, and maybe even for, for, for a celebrity or even a footballer, people who, you know, they're like us and, you know, they don't know too much about it is, and I think this is what, what I would kind of say overall about how to approach your, your thinking about issues in sport is, you know, like, like what Martin said, have that consistency. And then when you're not consistent or whether, you know, we're talking about what makes you uncomfortable, if some, if a certain thing in Qatar makes you uncomfortable and it doesn't make you uncomfortable in the US, actually think about why you feel that way i think people you know are so scared to be hypocritical that they don't in- interrogate why that hypocrisy exists you know like i think you can say both for the fact that you know qatar has received more criticism than russia and look at why that is while also criticizing both of them and ensuring that in the future you know that they do both get uh you know uh criticized equally you know and we sh- hopefully we bring up the noise and continue this for for usa you know for the qatari for the qatari people running this tournament and i want to say that people run this tournament because they're different to the average qatari person that you know they want people to avoid this and the only reason why the public are talking about this is because journalists have been raising the issue or people have been going there and making sure that this is in people's minds and like i think i've said this before but i feel like you know we we've, we we haven't done enough in the past and i don't think that should lead to us not doing enough now i feel like if if you know the criticism that qatar's had i like i think it's it's a it's a good thing and something that can be done further you know we, we, we should make sure that a country with a bill like qatar's never hosts a world cup again and make sure you know there's never corruption in the bids and it's something we should be continuing. I want, 
you know, in an ideal world that the US World Cup gets criticised equally and what's stopping that, you know? That's something we can actually, or hope, hopefully we can, like, help happen and that's something which I hope people continue speaking about and if it doesn't happen, I want people to hold that to account and say why that isn't happening because... You know, I don't want I don't want people to say, oh, you know, using what about to just mean no one criticizes anything because that's the worst of both worlds in my mind. Yeah. I mean, the next World Cup, it's actually quite likely, unfortunately, in my opinion, that Donald Trump will be president of the United States whilst the World Cup happens. If you think about it, if he wins in 2024, you'll have a situation where Mexico and the US are hosting a World Cup. And the president of one country has said that the that another country exclusively produces like criminals and rapists. Now, for all the things that Gianni Infantino has said, or Free from Bastos from Qatar has said, I cannot think of any world leader who has more consistently said inflammatory, racist things than Donald Trump. You know, referred to countries in the global south as shithole countries made disparaging comments about Muslims, women, every every conceivable non-white homogenous identity group. He's massively offended. So, yeah, as we say, by any metric, you know, condemnation of the US should actually be way more than Qatar. Just following on from what you said about what about we, it's, I think you, you touched on something really key, that people like Infantino bring up the hypocrisy of the West because it derails conversation, this is an Italian man in his 40s or 50s. He's an incredibly, um, you know, powerful position as the president of FIFA. His country just elected a fascist leader. Now, at that time, he had nothing to say about Europe's history of colonialism or structural racism or all of the things that have led to them literally electing another fascist leader of their country. So if he was genuinely concerned about these things, that would have been the time. Always president of FIFA, you could have some sort of like restorative action through football initiatives across the global south that has been butchered by European nations. None of these things have happened. So I think, yes, technically everyone in the world is a hypocrite and you can always point to some more inconsistency in something someone's done. But when you ask these people what they're bringing up in pursuit of, it's never because they have a better way to push towards equality. It's always to just derail meaningful conversations and I don't think we should pay any mind to it because it's just childish I think you know that that point and as well as the the nightmare scenario you've given us with Trump being the president ahead of the the next World Cup is a a good way to end this podcast and I hope people take in what we've we've said here and like about especially about the hypocrisy but you know this has been beyond the pond uh, thank you, Martin, for joining us. And thank you, Terry and I, for being here like as usual. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.